football poop is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. It's back. Steve Pelizzolo, Sam Monson here, previewing week five of the NFL. I brought it back just for you, Sam. Mm -hmm. But let's get right into the action. Actually, no, first, I want to tell you guys about my friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. I think you guys have heard us talking about this. But listen up to this deal, because any first-time depositor at Monkey Knife Fight that puts at least $20 into their account while using the promo code PFF, will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's right, a $40 value for just 20 bucks, and you get the opportunity to turn that 20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sites in the U.S. Go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your 20 with the promo code PFF today. Receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription, and we all profit. $40 Edge annual for just 20 bucks. This is a no-brainer. All right, Sam. Let's get into the games here. I'm all about everybody profiting. That's what we're trying to do here. We have millions and millions of listeners, and we're just trying to help you guys out. We're a team. We're a family. We quickly tease what's coming up later in this show. Monster show. Huge. It is a. It is actually a monster show. Um, a good good friend, Andrew Siciliano. Yes. That is the guy that you've been teasing that's hey, going to be on the show. So we... We're slipping dangerously into some like Dublon Tondra territory there. That was a, a risky one. And I noticed multiple times during the Siciliano interview what that I, I kept do? dropping one that was just unfortunate. And I couldn't stop saying it. It just, my brain realized the second it came out of my mouth that it was a questionable line of words, yeah. but couldn't stop repeating it when I was trying to articulate that point. So I'm just saying between this and what's coming up later, we straight into some questionable wordplay. Well, stick around for that. Figure out what Sam was talking about. Mm. The uh, Andrew interview was fantastic. We talked about his rivalry with Scott Hansen, the true number one red zone channel between the DirecTV version and the cable version. We talk a little inside TV. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think Andrew might actually give us a shout out on uh, red zone channel. Yeah, so we need your help to yeah. come up with things that we can uh, give him to say on the red zone channel that are PFF podcast specific. Listen to the interview. It's going to be awesome. And then Sam has presented a contract for me yeah. on the well, table here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The official Josh Allen apology form, which I signed yesterday, and you have been presented with here. It's, it's dated, and it's from you. It's your name. PFF Sharpie. Your name is stamped on it, so you just need to fill it in when we get to the Bills game later. Okay, when we get to the Bills game, I will take a look at the Josh Allen apology form. And we'll and go from there. All the way at the end of the show, just to convince you to stay on, there is the best audio montage we've had so far because it features the line, Thursday night slop. <laughs> the Thursday night part is great, which is, of course, in reference to the Broncos and the Jets from last week. So. But it could be applicable to most Thursday night games. Stick around for all of it. It's an action-packed show, and we're going to get started right Speaking now. Speaking of which. Thursday night football. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Bucks. And the Chicago Bears, if you guys have already seen this game, congrats. It was an awesome game. 
Bucks by three and a half as of recording time right now. This is despite Chris Godwin being out. Mm-hmm. OJ Howard's out for the season. Mike Evans is questionable game time decision. Scotty Miller is questionable, but likely to play. And then Justin Watson, literally the top four wide receivers on the Bucks, all depleted and to their top tight end. Um, but the Bucks still favored by three and a half. Tyler Johnson season. Tyler Johnson, maybe. This um this has a chance to be better than Thursday night slop. Like this has yeah. a chance to be a game. I think it depends. You know, this is uh, Nick Foles, Tom Brady 2. Mm-hmm. This is yes. the rematch <laughs> of the Super Bowl, right? I'm pretty sure they haven't faced off in What the sum of season. money would you bet on Nick Foles not repeating that level of performance? I, I was doing some Foles, Foles research this week, and he had a 93 grade yeah. in the NFC Championship and a 92 in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Since 2014, Nick Foles does not have one PFF grade in the 80s, and he has three in yeah. the 90s. This is one of those, like, this is one of those bets, you know, where you see, like, live betting some crazy, like, millionaire, billionaire who just needs to, like, feel anything, you know, just needs to register some emotion or the sense that life is still existing, puts down, like, $5 million to win, $5 million in 7,000, you know, based off the ridiculous probability that a team executes a comeback midway through the fourth quarter. Like, that's what this bet is. The idea that Foles could repeat what he did in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, it's just, there's no chance of that happening. The interesting thing about this, though, is the pieces that he has in Chicago with Allen Robinson, uh, with Darnell Mooney, the rookie speedster out of Tulane, and with Anthony, Anthony Miller, an aggressive Foles makes this an interesting team. So I hope it was a great game. I'm predicting... Tampa Bay, I, I like Tampa Bay to win. Yeah, I think Brady has done a good job spreading the ball around, disp- you know, despite a lot of turnover. Um, and a lot, I think we're going to figure out more about Gronk and Cameron Brait if yeah. they can replace OJ Howard. Brait, I think, is fine, but Gronk, I mentioned a few weeks ago, he kind he feels like he can play when he wants to. I just don't know if he can handle the every week workload. So. This is also a great um, one to watch in the trenches. Khalil Mack going up against Tristan Wirfs, who's yeah. done a good, who's A, had a tough run of it in terms of guys going up against him. B, he's, uh, our buddy John Ledyard talked about this, and he's actually shown a particularly impressive ability to specifically react to the sort of signature move of the guy that's going up against him. Yeah. Um, and Khalil Mack brings the next unique, you know, skill set and and pass rushing move that he's gonna have to contend with it'll be interesting to see if he can do that so that's our thursday night game bucks and the bears also seeing 43 year old tom brady have to go on the road three days later with the old guys it's always about the recovery time so yeah something to keep an eye on tb12 method put to the test here all right let's get to sunday's action in some of the the biggest games of the week starting with las vegas the raiders sam not not the the odds makers yes Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. We've got Henry Ruggs back at practice. The Chiefs favored by 13. They have pretty much dominated the Raiders during the Mahomes yeah. era. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to see how the Raiders win this. Like, the the game against the Patriots kind of showed just how problematic the Chiefs are. Like, the Patriots did as good a job as you can possibly do at slowing down that offense, and they got some turnover luck. Okay, they got screwed out of one that I think the late whistle thing. They should have had another one. But, like, they, they forced turnovers. They caused Mahomes problems. They made him make mistakes. <laughs> it still didn't matter. Like, but if, if they didn't have Brian Hoyer, Brian yes. Hoyer made equally detrimental mistakes. Sure. Red zone sacks, red zone fumbles, mm-hmm. interceptions, the whole thing. But the point is, you were watching this game go, and you're like, this is as good as you can possibly do against them. And they're still, like, closing in on 30 at the end of the game. Right. You know? 
Like it's so with a pick hard. Six. With a, with a right, right, right. But six. it's so hard to keep this team down, and that's if you do like the perfect job. The right. Raiders can't do the perfect job. In fact, they can't come close to the perfect job. So he's going to put up 35. At which point, your starting point for this game needs to be: we need to score 35 on offense to even be in the game. And right. I, can they do that? It doesn't seem that likely. Now, this always comes back to you know your strategy. The, the Patriots were executing the strategy you said. Keep the ball away yeah. from the Chiefs and play good defense. But that's the, the playing good defense part isn't really a strategy because if people could do that, they would have done it yeah, a couple I mean, years ago against Mahomes. The Patriots yeah. are equipped with Belichick leading the way with their personnel to mix up man and zone as they did to take away Mahomes' best weapons. They did a really nice job of keeping him in the pocket, right, and, uh, and not giving up those big plays outside of structure. There's so many things that you have to do right yes. against Mahomes. And all that said, in my weekly QB piece, Mahomes was the guy that played way worse than his stats because he had those two tap passes for touchdowns, three total turnover-worthy plays that didn't result in turnovers. He ended up with a 44 grade. Which is by far the worst game of his career. Yes. And he's had multiple games under 70 against the Patriots now, but still put up a passer rating up at like 105 during that time, which again shows... A little bit of the entire supporting cast of the Kansas City Chiefs right. offense. Even if Mahomes isn't great, they have enough weapons to still put points on the board. Which is basically the original point, right? It's a, it almost yeah. doesn't matter how good a job you do against this offense; it's too good. Whether like you might be able to make force Mahomes into a, a rare, almost unique bad game, and even if you do, it doesn't matter because they're still beating you with those tap passes and the motion and everything else, like. And that's and, and as I say, the Raiders just can't do what the Patriots did. So they have to hang with Kansas City in a shootout, which means Derek Carr needs to start taking early and often shots to Henry Ruggs because that's probably the only way you're winning. And the Chiefs are actually pretty good at preventing those deep passes. So, God, I mean, it's it's a 13 point line, and it doesn't feel wrong. See, this is what this is what I'm always curious about when teams have a good running a, a, attack. When they feel like they have a good running back or a rushing quarterback, they do tend to lean to what you're saying, right? We're going to slow it down. And the Patriots were going last play on the play clock. They did a lot of what we said last week just without Cam Newton at quarterback. I yeah. believe that was the strategy, right? Like we're, yeah. we're going to save one or two possessions per game, maybe, with the Chiefs. I'm always curious if a team like the Raiders are going to come in and say, hey, we drafted Henry Ruggs with a purpose, which was to compete with the Chiefs in their explosive passing attack or... If they're like, wait, we st we're not ready yet. We can't compete. We're going to slow it down. It's a Josh Jacobs game. You know, he's the guy. As long as we're getting four a pop and we just keep grinding it, we'll slow it down and protect our defense. I want to see what that looks like, but I do think this is one of those games where I want to see aggressive Derek Carr. I want to see him and Darren Waller, and if, if Ruggs is back out there, attacking down the field and trying to win through the pass game against the Chiefs because you have to put points on the board. But I think you said it there that, like, this was what – rugs was brought in to do it's it's the game it's the game plan that they haven't had before that they want to execute right so if like if you go out in this game and you still see relatively conservative Derek carr and they just get blown out by a double digit point margin like then you have to start questioning is he the guy for the future because like this is well like well institutionally the team the franchise they understand that this is what needs to change right Derek carr needs to be able to be aggressive he needs to be able to attack with henry ruggs because you have to beat the chiefs in your own division so this was the plan and if he still goes out there and, and takes check downs all day long and doesn't be notably more aggressive in this game 
then like what are you doing i i hear you i want to see it i want to see i want to see car attack my concerns are in the with the raiders in the secondary i'm less concerned about their pass rush because they don't get home as it is so they might as well just stay in their their rush lanes mm. and not let mahomes escape i do think there's an element of make him beat you from the pocket because you at least you at least know where he is and you know where the receivers are they are so the receivers are so good at playing the scramble game game with mahomes i think there's an element of compress the pocket and you know hope you can hold up off uh, you know in coverage you have to do some disguising you have to just take him off his first read again it's not that he can't do any of this stuff mahomes is awesome but you just want to make it a little bit lower percentage uh, for him so yeah i definitely have concerns about the back seven for the raiders i'm taking the chiefs do you think they cover the the two touchdowns here almost two touchdowns uh i mean i just talked myself into it yeah you did yeah yeah i would probably lean that way too there's also this as soon as we doubted we doubted what did i do to this sheet here we doubted the chiefs after they looked you know just okay for two weeks and then they just went to town on the ravens hmm. it's probably time that people might be like hey the chiefs look a little susceptible after that patriots game and then they just come back and hang 45 or something yeah i don't think this is the game where they have problems the next one might be where they're, they're like they they had that three games in 11 days thing and the third right. one is against buffalo, against buffalo after an extensive buy for the the bills or an extensive break that's the one they might have problems with. This one I doesn't doesn't seem likely. All right, both taking the Chiefs here. Let's go to the Indianapolis Colts at the Cleveland Browns. Three and one versus three and one. I don't know if that's necessarily a surprise, but I think the way the teams have gotten here is fascinating, right? The Cleveland is starting to round into form offensively. We've talked about Baker Mayfield maybe being a passenger along the way, not the conductor mm. uh, on this offense. And the Indianapolis Colts, our highest-rated defense, and a team that, uh, for whatever it's worth, when you're trying to predict defense going forward, the Colts have played extremely well you know, on that side of the ball this year, flying to the football, making plays, making life difficult for opposing offenses. Yeah. Um, this So the Browns' season is kind of fascinating, right? You've got this week one disaster that I think was probably inevitable given the things they were changing in the offseason and the fact that there was no offseason. Um then you have this sequence of, I think, progressively stiffer tests. You have the uh, the Bengals, which is about as easy as it could get, and consequently they they look great. The next game, it's like, okay, Washington can at least bring some pressure and cause you problems in the pocket, and let's see how that works. Easily, <clears throat> easily dealt with that. Then you have Dallas. Now Dallas's defense is garbage, but the Cowboys can hang points on you, so they can at least force you to keep scoring and to be uh, impressive on offense and to get it done. Now you get the next test because you're facing an actual good defense, like a legitimate D that can pressure you, that can cover on the back end. Now your offense has to show that it's not just functional against bad competition, but that it actually works, period. And it's a great opportunity for Baker Mayfield, even if he has been a relative passenger, to show that he can still be at that level against a better defense. So I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated to see if this Browns offense can, can stay legit against a good defense like Indianapolis. That's the thing that I'm most interested in. Yeah, Indianapolis's defense uh, near the top in pretty much everything from a, from a ranking standpoint. Uh, as I mentioned, overall defense, they have the highest grade. From a coverage standpoint, they have the highest grade. Pass rush is seventh. So, you know, it's only four games. Uh, they've only given up 56 points total. 
with 27 of those coming against the Jaguars. Last three games, 11, 7, and 11. So it's a nice little stretch. You know, we always point to the opponent. Yeah, the Jets, Foles-led Bears, which could be all over the place. But yeah, holding the Vikings to 11, you know, which even with Justin Jefferson's breakout the last couple of weeks, we the Colts have done a pretty nice job. The thing I'm looking for on offense for the Browns too, Wyatt Teller is our highest graded guard mm. ever through four weeks. We're talking better than Evan Mathis, better than uh, Zach Martin, other you know, Marshall Yonda, Wyatt Teller, and shout out to PFF Moo, Timo, who uh, wrote he wrote a piece about just progression. And I, I, I cite this all the time. And we, we studied this years ago. We've been here for years, right? But we'd never had that full-on R&D team the way we do. We studied it a little bit, and we came up with the idea that, you know, offensive linemen take a little bit longer to progress. Mm -hmm. uh, Moo put a little bit more hard numbers to it, and it was like year three and four. Legitimately the year where, you know, guys can take a step forward. We're actually seeing this across the league. Austin Corbett with the Rams, and Wyatt Teller now in year three, the highest graded guard right now, absolutely mauling Cowboys interior defensive linemen last week. So I, th I just think it's great. We'll talk more about that concept, I think, in the offseason as we do team building stuff. But I just love it. Like, if you have a chance to steal a third-year guard who struggled elsewhere, like yeah. Wyatt Teller did with the, with the Bills, and you bring him in. I know I'm just talking about a guard here, but it's just an awesome piece of the team building strategy plus credit bill callahan the offensive line coach who's had a lot of success with those types of players well also this like it just the guard thing i mean nick chubb goes down and there's zero drop off right yes now, now kareem hunt i think is also a legitimate top five top 10 running back talent but they also had two other guys carrying the ball who continued to have five yards per carry like if you have a guard who is burying defensive tackles into the turf or just eradicating them from their gap it doesn't matter who the running back is because that's the thing that's going to generate the the rushing success so this idea of oh it's just a guard guards aren't valuable guards might genuinely have a significantly bigger impact than a top running back because they can open up those holes if they're playing at that kind of level in in especially in a run heavy attack so keep an eye if you're going to be watching the trenches there deforest buckner highest rated defender for yeah uh the colts his matchups with wyatt teller when they're opposite each other Buckner has a 90-plus uh, pass rush grade so far this season, 15 pressures, and that has looked like a really nice move for the Colts, which Great I thought move. at the time I loved the move for the Niners because they weren't going to be able to pay Buckner, but it was also, you you talked about it a lot, it was a good move for the Colts because they had the money. Well, they, they had the money, play. and they were happy to give that to the guy that they had been in San Francisco. Like, so far he's on course for a way better season than he ever had with the 49ers, and they were happy to spend the first-round pick and the giant contract on that right. guy. Like, if you are happy about that, how much happier are you going to be that he's on track for, like, a 10-point grading bump this season? Like, they must be loving life in terms of how the Buckner thing has worked out through the first month. Yeah, and I think the story of this Colts defense is they've spent so many years just adding young guys to the mix, and you got a Darius Leonard who has <clears throat> played like a top 101 player, I would say, <laughs> and uh, one of the best linebackers in the league. But the contribution they're getting from Buckner, the contribution they're getting from ex-Xavier Rhodes and from Justin Houston, who's been there, but you know, it's the veterans combined with the mm. youth movement that they've had over there in Indy, and this is starting to finally come together. So I'm going to love this matchup against the Browns. Uh, Colts by one and a half on the road here. You talked about the Browns maybe playing it closer with the Cowboys than we expected last week, and they crushed them. you believe in the Browns again this week? No. Um, I think against a better defense and against a good defense, we're going to see some more struggles. And we haven't, I don't think we've seen yet 
that this offense functions when it when it's struggling. Like we've seen if everything goes well, like this is the kind of offense as well. We saw this with the Vikings at times. When things go well, it looks great. When things don't go so well, it doesn't have that it doesn't have as many answers and it tends to struggle a little bit. And I think that's where I get these sort of Kirk Cousins feels about the Baker Mayfield situation again, right? It's for the same reasons that when things kind of go badly, he doesn't really feel like the quarterback that's going to um, make up the difference. So I think the, the Colts defense will cause problems. And I don't know that Baker Mayfield is going to be the guy that offsets that difference and means that you won't see the drop off. So I'm going to lean Colts, but I think it's going to be because Philip Rivers has got to make some plays in this one. They're going to rely on Rivers a little bit more than they've had to okay. the last few weeks. He has not thrown the ball down the field all that well, but I think they're going to need to. The pressure watch, 27 pressures all season. I don't have any cool numbers that show like, hey, he got pressured 27 times, like five different. He might, he may have actually been with the Chargers 27 times in a game. Could've. That probably happened a few I, times. Well, there was a game where Dombrowski coughed up like 18. So true. That could have hit 27 easily, right? So yeah, only 27 times pressured for uh, Philip Rivers through uh, through four games. So keep an eye on the O line and Miles Garrett moving around. And I, I picked Miles Garrett as Defensive Player of the Year coming mm-hmm. in. That could be one of my actual only predictions that comes true <laughs> with his three force fumbles getting after it. So I'm uh, still liking my uh, Seattle to win the division pick. You did nail it. was pilloried. That was your uh, bolt. bolt right. Pick. I mean, I didn't necessarily believe it, but I thought I had a chance to happen. And even the chance to happen was ridiculed. Niners regression. That was an obvious one. So we're both taking the Colts here too? Yeah. I'm going to, ah, man. I'm almost talking myself into the Browns. I'm almost doing it. We'll stick with the Colts here. Let's go one one more high-end game to discuss here. This is the one you chose, huh? The just Los Angeles Chargers at the New Orleans Saints. Anytime you would like to create the document, knock yourself out. I appreciate the work you put in here. Uh, Chargers Saints might be moved because of the uh, weather. The Dombrowski game did, in fact, caused 29 pressures on Philip Rivers. 29 pre- so yeah. so Philip Rivers who's been pressured 27 times this year has had games where he was pressured 29 times yes. in his career. Yes. I'm sure every quarterback has at least one of those. Actually, in there. that's not even the Dombrowski game. I missed the year. That's that's just another random game where he was pressured 29 times. All right, don't don't look at it any further. Let's discuss the Saints and the Chargers. Justin Herbert, Drew Brees. Uh, if they do move it, it would be in Indianapolis. So they get to, as I tweeted out, get to protect Brees in a dome. Can't keep him in a dome on primetime. Mm. But Brees looked much better last week. Uh, Herbert, I still, you know, last year when Daniel Jones was breaking out and impressing everyone, um, I took the very calm approach to not apologize. There was no... Daniel Jones apology form no. last year, even though... I'm uh, sure the Giants' official Twitter account was asking for one, though, like throw one of preseason. Well, listen, Dan Orlovsky <laughs> did apologize during yeah. the preseason yeah. for Daniel Jones, uh, for his assessment of Daniel Jones. And Jones is playing fine this year. But last year, I'm watching him, and Jones had some high-end games. He had some bad stuff. He's fumbling left and right, but he's making some great throws. I'm like, all right, this is... Read my scouting report. This is it, right? Like, he does NFL stuff. He does bad stuff. He's Nick Foles-ish. Um, I would say Herbert to this point, go read my scouting report. Go read my draft preview on Herbert. I said he's got field-flipping arm strength, Sam. And in the right system where he's attacking down the field, he can have some success, but he still misses too many throws. Have you not been more impressed, though, with Justin Herbert so far than with Daniel Jones? 
Uh, yeah, I would say I've been, but I also came from, I, I came with a higher standard there too. I said, I've, I said I would okay. take Herbert back into the, I've put Herbert back into the first round in my head as a guy that I would, you know, want to bring in and develop, but not necessarily tie my franchise to. I said the same thing about Josh Allen late first, more of an early than, than an early first. So I had higher expectations for Herbert than I had for okay. Daniel Jones. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I, yeah, like I, the point is the point i think is that look herbert has done a lot of good stuff but every game so far there's been at least one horrendous decision um and they've actually cost them the games like two of those games they basically lost off the strength of the hideous decision that he made right. to throw the interception um and but that's like the only thing that's holding him back from being like really good right now which is impressive like i know it's always difficult to to place these sort of volatile, you know, capable of good and bad, often at the same time, quarterbacks. Um, but I think overall, he's been more impressive and more consistently impressive than I was expecting him to be. But it's just like every game, there's been one of those. If we could just get that, just that one play out of his game, each each performance, he's like immediately like a top 10 quarterback. Whoa. Top ten? I mean, seriously, if you take out, I mean, if take, you take away a couple the of one hideous interception every week. I would. So, what I was most impressed about last week, we talk a lot about supporting cast here and all that stuff. He was throwing to not great names, yeah, and throwing field flipping. God, stop using bombs. That um, but I loved. I, t I mentioned on the Monday pod the the zero blitz. Right, you know you don't have a safety. Yeah. You recognize it. You hang in there. You know you're probably going to get hit, or you get guys in your face, and he puts it right on his receiver. Um, creating those chunk plays has been great. We've also talked about it's kind of like Joe Burrow a little bit. It's a situation where the old line's not great. You're probably going to get hit more than you'd like, but the guys you're throwing to are pretty good, um, and they're even better, you know, in Los Angeles with Hunter Henry, uh, with uh, with Keenan Allen, and when they're completely healthy, those guys are better. But again, they're he's faced he's thrown to some backup receivers and, and did a really nice job so yeah i've been impressed with herbert um i want to see him handle some of the easy stuff right now you know don't he's, he still misses a couple extra throws than he should and uh, to your point the disastrous decisions in there back-to-back -back games of you know young rookie quarterback facing geriatric opposition there was there was like 21 years or something between him and tom brady last yeah. week I guess whatever that is, minus one or two this year. This they were showing both of them through the years. Yeah. And it was like Brady holding up a Super Bowl trophy and Herbert like the three-year-old in a pumpkin right. patch. Like the gap between <laughs> the great. two of them is old enough to drink. Yeah, it really is. It's That's, great. And like Breeze isn't quite that, but he's getting there. Um, right, the interest, and it's another chance for Breeze to show that, look, that wasn't a fluke against Detroit. I can actually still be a viable quarterback, which we need. Otherwise, I think this team isn't going to the Super Bowl. Um, and again, it's a step up, right? It's against, it's a very different defense, but it's a much better defense as well. So can Breeze actually show that that was a bounce back and that he's on track again? Or does he go back to being old man Breeze from the first couple of games that was was bad? Yeah, and it, uh, you know, watching Breeze last week, I think you just see he's got, it's, it's just a smaller margin for error, yeah. right? He needs, an, he's already got great anticipation. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback's mind move through a play as quickly as Breeze. His eyes are just incredible. Now, he he might have to do that just a tick quicker to offset the arm and the velocity. Do you think that that becomes a bigger problem against a zone-heavy defense than it is a man-heavy one? Maybe because, yeah, I would, I, yeah I'd say so. 
because just all the win all the windows are just a little bit tighter. You know, Breeze has never had a cannon for an arm, but he was, could throw the ball up the seam. Why could he do that? Because his timing was impeccable. His accuracy has been great, but also he can manipulate and move with his eyes and all that stuff. If if that is off just a little bit, then the whole thing's. I mean, that was Peyton trying to throw the seam that you always yeah. reference back in 2012, right? He's he's like, I'm throwing a seam, and it gets picked off three times. It's like, well, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, I, d I don't know if it's the timing. It's that like if if your arm deteriorates to the point where it just takes longer to get there, the the guy watching you throw, like the defensive back with his yeah. eyes on the quarterback, he's always seeing you where you're going to go with the ball, and he has a chance to jump that play. If the ball simply takes longer to get to where it's supposed to go, you have longer to make that play. So in the past, it didn't matter that you saw it coming. You weren't going to get there in time because the ball was hitting the guy it was supposed to hit before you could make the play. Now it's taken just a little bit longer. The fact that you're half a step or you were half a step behind, the difference between the two might be that half a step, and suddenly you can make a play. Against man coverage, in theory, it doesn't really matter because the guy's not looking at you anyway, right? So you just have to be able to adjust your timing so that you hit the guy in the right spot and, and you're good. But zone, you're dealing with the idea of they get to see what you're doing with the ball. And if the, the fundamental problem is the velocity with which you're throwing it is now, is, is now smaller or lower so that it takes longer, it's just simple physics. They have more time to operate and more time to make a play. So yeah, I completely agree. And that's why I said it's just a smaller margin of error. And you have to be a little bit earlier. So you have to, and Breeze has a lot of these passes, like he'll throw a deep out or a deep comeback and he'll just throw it to space. You know, and, and yeah. every quarterback has that to a point, but Breeze throws it really early, throws it to space, trust that Emmanuel Sanders is going to get there, whoever's going to get there. Um, and the velocity doesn't matter on that. You just lob it up and you just know it's going to get to the area, right? Um, you can't do that up the seam as much. So I think that is where you're losing some of the the passes that have made the, the Saints so difficult to defend through the years. I, I once again, do want to see teams come up and, and make him I think you just want to make him make like he, he had four big time throws the other day including yeah. tight red zone you want to force Breeze to make four or five big time throws per week even if he hits them you know tip your cap like good job but I you want to take away the the yak centric offense that they had over the first three weeks and um, just make the throws a little bit you know tighter window so um, Chargers cover three scheme they love it but I think Breeze and Brady types when you when they know what they're getting, yeah, they know how to exploit that. So it's generally a good matchup for those veteran quarterbacks, I think. Yeah, it's it's very it's completely different to the Detroit scheme where it's but it's the same idea that you know what you're going to get against them. It's just a different it's, it's a different set of things you have to defeat. But I'm interested to see if this one actually attacks Breeze better than Detroit's like man heavy thing did. What do you like or who do you like in this one? New Orleans by eight, by the way. Yeah. I do like the Saints. Eight is a little rich, but I mean, when you have Herbert at quarterback, it's easy to see why. Because like one of those bad interceptions swings could swing eight points. You know what I mean? See, I would work it the other way. I, I like. I'm going to take the Chargers to cover here. I think they're going to hang in, and and you know, Herbert Herbert's big time throws lead to 50 yard touchdowns. Is yeah, the thing right? True. And he's got. I'm not going to say it. He has an arm that could complete. You know, that could couple throws and you got 14 points on the board and you know keep the chargers in it flip the field yeah right it's just something wrong with that give term. me the chargers to cover here all right all right give me a quick break to tell you about our friends over at pristine auction 
the whole PFF podcast brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. This is right up your alley. You love historical football stuff. and I've been bidding cool. on these things. Even before these guys showed up as a potential sponsor, They, I, there was a, when we got, dove into the Montana Young podcast episode, the special, you can find that, go back and listen to it. It's a America's Game kind of special audio thing we did in the off season. When we did that, I, I started trying to buy like Joe Montana signed merch from the pristine auction people. I haven't won one yet, but I'm still still throwing darts. Can't believe you're bidding against our listeners here. I'm not bidding it's against not... them. They don't know about it yet. We're telling them. Okay. I'm so inviting them to join me well, in bidding, bidding on so the Montana our, stuff. Stop bidding so our folks can win. Pristine auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Do you think they have Brunel jerseys there? I'm sure there's a Brunel jersey somewhere. It I'm can't cost much either. So it's oh, perfect. Yeah. I'm going to get it on the cheap. So you can use the promo code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. This is awesome. So $10 off, use promo code PFF. And right now we are currently giving away a signed Jerry Rice jersey. Nice. Now for our young listeners, Jerry Rice is the best wide receiver of all time. Allegedly. Oh man, you're one of those. <laughs> signed Jerry Rice jersey, rate and review the podcast. All you have to do. So go to wherever you listen to your podcast, rate and review, leave some sort of contact there and we'll be choosing a winner also next you know, rate it highly if we're giving people oh, the five chance, stars yeah, only if we're giving people yes. the chance to win something we should at the very least expect a five-star review yeah. and don't give me this four-star stuff either like i love the podcast but sam talks too much or but sam shirts ugly or, you know come on no four-star stuff because it's always like it's good but we're, we're five-star podcast here well particularly again when you're after the jerry rice jersey we're a five-star podcast yes if so. you want to on your own time give us a four-star rating that's way more acceptable and we would accept the feedback. Yes. Sam talks too but much. If you're, Rate you know. and review. Leave some sort of contact. We'll be giving away that Jerry Rice jersey. It's pristineauction.com and use the promo code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. Let's get to some more of the games here. Minnesota Vikings at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks by seven. Uh, Russell Wilson in the past has had, we always talked about like two games per year, three games per year. He's a disaster. A couple years ago, it was the Vikings game. He had one of the worst interceptions we've ever, or near interceptions. Was it? No, it was a pick. When he was falling down, he kind of shuffled it up to Eric Kendricks and everything. I mean, oh, I this was one that. of his bad yeah, games yeah. a couple years ago, is yeah. what I'm saying. Um, in Seattle, too, on you know, in prime time. But can Minnesota hang with what Seattle's doing offensively? So I was on our uh, friend Matthew Collar's podcast during the week, and we were talking about how the Viking schedule is setting up to just be this sequence of comedy shootouts, <laughs> like Minnesota, like the Cowboys. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they. Like, they they won the game obviously against Houston, but it's not like they fixed everything. Like the defense is still not good. It's still got major problems in multiple pretty key areas. You've got a couple of guys playing well there, and that's helping. But you're going up against uh, Russell Wilson, who's just dominating right now, and those receivers that are amazing. Um, so like the Vikings defense is not going to be able to stop Russell Wilson unless he does have one of those random bad Russell Wilson games, which basically hasn't happened for like two and a half years now. Yeah. Um, now, statistically down the stretch, Wilson had some duds, but from our standpoint, yes. he played all right. So you're probably going to expect the Seahawks to win and to put up some points, but Minnesota's offense, I think, is kind of fixed, or at least way closer to being fixed than the defense is. Justin Jefferson being put into that starting lineup changes the offense. It puts it back to 2019, where you had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen both giving you a threat which opens up the run game, which makes the offensive line better, which makes Kirk Cousins better. Like everything is immediately changed by just swapping in that one guy to the position that needed it. 
Um, so it, I don't think that Minnesota wins, and I don't think they can stop Seattle scoring. On the other hand, their offense is not a joke anymore. So this game and the next few are actually setting up to be this pretty – the Vikings might not win another game for a while, but they're going to be pretty entertaining, I think, in losing. Justin Jefferson has the highest grade we've given a rookie receiver through four games. Yeah. Ever. He's also the highest graded receiver in the NFL. He's also the right highest now. graded receiver in the NFL. Despite essentially being a passenger for two games. Yeah. It's so he's broken out. I want to see him going up against those Seattle corners. Seattle needs to play better on the back end and their pass rush. You know, I do Seattle radio every week and they're like, give us the update on the pass rush. And I'm going through their guys. I'm like, this guy's got, you know, LJ Collier's got five pressures on 150 rushes. I mean, it's Jaron Reed. And uh, Benson Myoa had a nice pass rush that led to an interception the other day. But still, as a unit, they have single-digit pressures on 150 rushes. It's just not enough. And Jamal Adams is out, so their best pass rusher is (laughs) playing. Right. So Minnesota doesn't like to play shootouts, though. It's the the Kubiak system of, you know, do, do they try to rely on their run game and slow this thing down I mean, and not do they try to not play a shootout Zimmer doesn't want to do that they might try and not I just don't think it's possible like not playing a shootout it doesn't really matter what you do in offense like it's contingent on your defense being able to stop somebody and I don't think they can like, thank you for finally admitting that they they're going to be in a shootout whether they want to be in one or not they might attempt to not like the functionally that offense is not going to go out there with the design of like let's just score every three seconds and let's try and win an arena league game i just think this game is going that way like it's going to be a shootout seattle is probably going to go to a lead of some description and you're you're kind of going to be forced to hang with them dk metcalf is averaging 25 yards per reception yeah now jefferson is up over 21 so it has the the two highest yeah but um 25 yards per reception and dk because he has four drops you know he saved that average by dropping a few passes he's probably like oh this is only a 10 yarder can you drop this um can you imagine the comedy of cameron dantzler covering dk metcalf oh man just like a i need that 50 pound swing between the two of them i need that in my life what's dk like 230 yeah Yeah. it might be more now there's like 50 pounds between those two guys he's like a speedy david boston that's half the difference between you and me, and you're like twice the size I am. Well, that's must-see TV just for just for the matchup. That's what I'm saying. Seattle by seven. Think they cover? Uh, I can see the Vikings covering that, but I think they lose. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Seattle to do. Well, no, I'm taking Minnesota to cover. Seattle to win. Seattle still doesn't know how to play normal football games. <laughs> they just don't. You hear Seahawks fans talk about, like, when was the last time we watched a normal game, fellow Seahawks fans? There's, it just doesn't happen. Like, here's this team we should crush. just doesn't happen. Huh. You know, it's tight into the fourth quarter. It's just rare. It'll be a good one. A shootout. Okay. All right, let's get to the Buffalo Bills at the Tennessee Titans as of now. Is this game happening? Like, what the hell is ha- what, what is going on? Lines off because the Titans still continue to have positive tests. Reportedly had a, uh, a workout last week. Yeah, they shut them down because of COVID. And they elected, instead of being shut down and isolating, to go and hold their own individual workout. Are we going to preview this thing or are we going to... No, I say, look, I don't know that there's any way this game can happen. So instead of previewing it, Look, the Bills are good. The Titans are good, although half their team has COVID right now. So even if they play, they're not going to be good. Let's say if it goes ahead, the Bills win fairly comfortably. Josh Allen looks good again. Speaking of Josh Allen, what's on the desk there, Stephen? I saw you tweet this out yesterday, and Mm -hmm. this was like, man, 
a humble moment from Sam. This is the Josh Allen apology form. Oh. So this was made by Bills fans? Yeah. I had a lot of people tweeting this at me. Okay. Despite the volume of Bills Mafia that I've muted, by the way. so was like, I have my mentions loaded up with people asking you to unblock them and unmute them and all that stuff. So they're coming to me now. Okay. To Josh Allen from, you wrote my name in here, PFF Steve. The date is October 8th, mm -hmm. 2020. Reason for behavior. Yes. I don't know football. Mm -hmm. Was jealous of Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Mercury was in retrograde. That's what I went with. Media told me he was bad. Uh -huh. Only listened to ESPN or didn't actually watch the games. So what are you going with? What was your reason? I need to like, I need a write-in vote here. No, 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 I need no. A write -in. those are your choices. And then there's a checkbox. I am sorry for my behavior yep. and hereby respect Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. The apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect. Well, it doesn't get much louder than on our podcast with millions of listeners. It's true. So we've had loud disrespect for Josh Allen. Also, YouTube. I mean, this is on camera. This is perfect. This is so. What are you going with? What was your excuse? What's your reason? Why? Here's what I'm going with. Disrespect Josh Allen. Here's what I'm going with on the Josh Allen apology form. Oh no, that's that's a bad decision. There's that's, no apology today. That's a bad decision right there. I nailed it on the analysis. Minus about a 10% swing in completion percentage That's quite that is inflated swing. by a league where everybody's throwing at 65%. I nailed it on the analysis. That's it. Hmm. I said coming out, any of those quarterbacks will have seasons where they're the best quarterback. And here we are. I am not ready to declare anything for Josh Allen after four games. I'm not. Has he played well during four games? Absolutely. Good for him. Nice job. But I said when Baker and Lamar and Darnold and Allen, when all those guys came out, I said there'll be some years where Josh Allen might have the best season or Sam Darnold might have the best season. I think I need to apologize for that take, maybe, mm. the Darnold take. But the reality is they want us to apologize for the last two years. He was not good the last two years. That is truth and fact. They won despite Josh Allen last year. Now this year, through four games, he's been fantastic. Accuracy's improved, pocket presence, feel, didn't even have a turnover-worthy play last week for the mm -hmm. first time in forever. Good job. But he still should have three interceptions, still fumbled twice so far through four games. It's four games. And coming into the season, I said, I can see MVP caliber numbers for Josh Allen in high touchdown totals because you've got three legitimate receivers, now actually four legitimate receivers, and I credit the Bills in their front office and their coaching staff for everything they've put around Josh Allen. The only thing I need to apologize for is I said he would have this season with a 59% completion percentage and he's at 70 right now, which is also like 12th in the league in the 2020 NFL. So there's my apology to Josh Allen. I'll see you in a few more games, maybe, but I need more data. I would just like to officially distance myself from this take from Steve. My how the tables have turned. I have signed my apology for him. I, I spent all summer telling everybody at PFF, stop taking shots at Josh Allen. Just cut it out. All right. It's quarterback evaluation. Different stuff happens. Have an open mind. Don't be hot take artists. And I was, I had a neutral, nice take. He hasn't shown much yet, but he could. He's got all the high end potential. We even made the point last year. Look at this. He graded incredibly on passes up to 20 yards mm -hmm. and he was so bad on 20 plus yard throws. And you kept saying he can't hit a deep ball. He can't. I said, no, because when you have receivers and they're more open, you're going to hit deep ball. You know, you're going to, 
you know, produce down the field. And all of a sudden, that's what Josh Allen's doing. I nailed it. I nailed the analysis on Josh Allen. So I'm not apologizing for anything. You were off by 12% in completion rate. It's one stat. Who cares? As his ceiling. Who cares? You were wildly off. I wasn't expecting him to grade this well, but it's four games. Yeah. It's a four-game stretch. I'm just saying. Send you're... me the, I didn't think Josh Allen could play this well in a four-game stretch note, and maybe I'll sign that. I'm not apologizing for anything. I wouldn't want to poke Analysis that. was nailed. Bill's Mafia bear the way you just did, but all right. That's PFF underscore Steve on Twitter, Bill's Mafia, if you would like to, you know, swing in there with the... The meat cleavers. Do you think we got all of Buffalo to listen to this pod maybe for the last time? Uh, I, I mean, I want, anyone, I, want Buffalo, I want Buffalo fans to be with us. I'm crediting your team. Anyone that came back because I signed the form is, is busy writing you hate mail I right just, now. I do want to say I've been very impressed with Josh Allen through four games. No, you can't walk He's it back now. Great. You just tore up the form. I... I'm saying there's a difference between acknowledging how well he's played through four games, which no. has been good, and then apologizing no, no. No. for my correct analysis. No, you just burned the entire bridge. You, you're you done. You are going to be harangued by Bill's Mafia until the day you die now. I bought a t-shirt and signed a form. You, you just antagonize him by tearing it up. Your humility has really played well on social. That's been good. Nice job. <sighs> oh, dear. You're, you're done. You, you're never going to be able to go on Twitter again. <laughs> I'm just not apologizing. Just not apologizing <laughs> for correct analysis. Steve is so screwed. The guy doesn't even know. So I'm taking Buffalo this week if they play. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Go Bills. Uh, Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. What are we looking for in this one? Panthers, look at this. Matt Rule turning things around. So if you look at these two rosters mm -hmm. and you're looking at Matt Ryan and all the playmakers for Atlanta, and yeah, the defense looks poor. Yeah. But you've got Carolina, and they've got some nice playmakers and game manager Teddy and a defense of young young guys and no names like Atlanta should Atlanta should be the team that's two and two here instead of Carolina yeah so everyone is crediting Teddy right he's starting he's showing some flashes or some plays the one game oh, he's not playing that well he's not playing that well he really isn't and no. there's some plays there that should have been punished and haven't been and like I'm the, the, it's it's sad because I everyone loves Teddy. The dude almost lost his leg, let alone his career. I, I think he'll cut down. Like turnover-worthy plays are way too high right now. He'll cut down on those. He'll be fine. Alternatively, he won't cut down on them, and he'll start getting punished for them, and then true things look bad. Yeah, but again, I think this goes down to the supporting cast concept and the play calling. And the just, supporting cast is, is pretty good. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's that's why his that's why his statistics are pretty pretty good. Plus. Yeah, I mean, he like week one, he had a incompletion right through a completion right through a linebacker's hands. Yeah, um, you know, he's had some some easy touchdown passes in there and all that stuff. So yeah, I think the production's inflated a little bit right now, but I think he'll play a cleaner brand of football, and you know, the offense is is doing a nice job. A little bit. I I'm kind of expecting the other shoe to drop at some point in terms of those mistakes starting to punish them as opposed to just going by unnoticed. Yeah. Um, the he didn't do a good job of avoiding safeties last week, and it just didn't come back to bite as much as it should have. Why are there so many garbage defenses in, in the NFL in 2020? Well, like, go back to our preseason stuff, and we said the only season we can compare to is 2011. Yeah. And 2011 was a record season for passing across the board. Yeah. I then also the holding calls. Yes. Right? That's part of it. So Eric's got to go in. You know, our green line, uh, you got, if you have PFF Elite, you check out PFF Green Line. That's where you get all of our game picks and all that stuff. 
Eric has to go in and make adjustments for the league and just say, look, the league, this we, we predicted this, and then the league's completely changed. It, it is fascinating to me that a league can actually calibrate yeah. scoring the way they want to. And of course, uh, baseball did this. Through, oh, I'm not going to get on a tangent. I'm not. But generally, if, if you're worried about fan support for any reason, because of lockouts and strikes and COVIDs or whatever it is, more points, more runs, more exciting stuff is better, right? So the fact that the NFL can calibrate this a little bit, the opposite of what they did in 2018. Remember the first three weeks? Holding left and right. It was ridiculous. They had to put a stop to it. This year, they cut back on the holding calls, right? So you just don't have those negated plays anymore. And there's more offense. And it leads to more points and fantasy and betting and everything is, is happy and exciting. And, and you go from there. But We've had to adjust to the new calibrated league. That's definitely a part of it, right? I think that that's that's moving the entire overall picture in the direction of offense and a huge amount, right? Because in your head, you're like, well, it's just a few holding calls. What difference does that make? But those are like the biggest drive-killing plays you can get, huge. right? Like the difference, you've seen those numbers in terms of pressure. Like when you get a sack on offense, it's a massive, it's so hard to get a first down after a sack because it just puts you back up behind the chains so much a holding call is usually worse. Like it's 10 yards as opposed to six or seven or eight. Some, you know, it's, sacks obviously sometimes are longer than that, but most holding calls are, are a bigger negative for the offense than a sack is. Um, so it's a massive detrimental play that you suddenly have to deal with first and 20 and it's you're buried. Um, but there's a bunch of defenses that are just horrendous, like regardless of holding calls. Like that's not, the Falcons... Are a disaster on defense. The Cowboys are a disaster on defense. The Vikings are close to a disaster on defense. Like there's so many of these atrocious groups that just can't stop anything. And I'm curious why they've all sort of managed to assemble in one offseason. I think it's the combination. You've got 2011. We saw a similar thing. There's not as much practice time. Everybody thinks the offense is going to be off. But defense is so much about um, spacing, positioning, communication, especially when you're playing zone defense and you bust coverages and you know guys get behind you and you create big gains, right? Then it, there's yeah. there's run fits. There's there's so many things that the defense has to do to be on point that I think we saw in 2011 they were bad. Then you add the holding stuff. Here's the other factor with holding, right? There's far more quarterbacks in the league now who like to play outside the pocket. You know when you leave the pocket offensive linemen are more likely to hold, right? Because you're blocking a guy this way, the quarterback goes that way, and you don't know it. The defender's trying to run at him, and you kind of tug at him, and you, and you pick up these cheap holdings that are almost like the fault of the quarterback who's leaving the pocket. If you cut out those holding calls as well, now you have more of those outside-the-pocket exciting plays, that, again, that are, that are standing, that are not getting negated by penalty. I mean, th there are little things that I think are having a big effect here, so... Yeah, I mean, this is all a roundabout way of saying that the Atlanta defense can't stop anybody. And as much as Teddy might be pushing his luck in terms of some bad plays, they're probably going to roll against that Falcons yeah. defense. I like I like Matt Ryan in the dome. I, I, it, it, at this point in his career, he, I mean, he really does not throw the ball with great velocity. We saw some of his poor throws against Green Bay or the off-platform stuff. And I think that's just a huge factor in today's NFL as well. There are so many guys who can just create outside of structure and the guys that are not are falling behind a little bit. And I wonder if that's where Matt Ryan is right now in his career. But I like him this week at home against Carolina. Spreads one. You think Atlanta rolls here against the Panthers? Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just... This is one of those where a team has been you know reasonably good for a long time. It's very hard to accept that they've just... They're done. 
and everything yeah. needs to be blown up and burnt to the ground again. It feels like at some point Atlanta is actually due a half decent game where they don't embarrass themselves and you know, Carolina is not a bad team to do that against. Carolina beat the Cardinals and the Chargers and I think because Matt Rule has just stepped in there with a, you know, not so great roster, he's already getting hyped up like wait till he gets some players. But you know, it has been impressive so far. I'll take Atlanta as well. Uh, Sam, I want to take a little break to talk about the little guy here. Uh, little there guy. is there's a youngster, young youngster from a podcast standpoint over at PFF. Okay. Trying to spool up his own podcast. Who we got? Uh, Trash? It's not little Anthony. Not not Trash? It's little Chris. Little Chris. Little Chris Collinsworth. Oh. Uh, the guy needs a little help. Okay. As he starts the Chris Collinsworth podcast. And it just started last week, and we're just trying to help him out here. As the, as the number one podcast at the company, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we just want to use our platform to help Chris, you know, get his footing and maybe get a few listeners. You know, him and uh, this guy, Richard Sherman, uh, teaming up every single week oh, no. on the, the Chris Collinsworth podcast. Okay. So, um, so go check it out. It is live now. Chris is teaming up with All Pro Corner, Richard Sherman, every single week. Chris Collinsworth podcast is available anywhere you're listening to us right now, anywhere you're listening to podcasts. So go check it out. We're just trying to help Chris out a little bit here. God, we're, we're so altruistic. I, uh, I listened to like half of this one on the way in, on the, in the way into the office this morning. And he explained, I was, so they had to wear a mask the whole way through Sunday Night Football because yeah. of California, right? And I was expecting that the second they went off camera, right? The initial intro shot is Chris and Al to the camera. And then now we go to the stadium, right? And I was expecting as soon as that happened that the audio would become mysteriously much clearer, you know, yeah. mask straight down. He explains why that didn't happen. That's a good story. So it's yeah. worth listening to. I saw, you know, and I didn't get to listen to it yet, but I saw some of the quotes coming out of Sherman talking about, say, the Cowboys defense hmm. and why they might be struggling. This is fascinating because you don't get to talk to players in the middle of a season yeah. like this. You well, know? And so not the just a player, that, but he's like part of, you know, the, the lead, whatever that committee is that the NFLPA has that negotiates with all the COVID protocols and all this kind of stuff. Like Richard is wired in. He's into the, he he's is. got the inside scoop. So, so this is really great. It's Chris. It's Richard Sherman. It's fantastic football uh, discussions. So mark your calendars. You don't want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight. They keep it to 60 hmm. for their pod. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to give Chris a little shout out, help him uh, get this thing off the ground. So go check it out anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's the Chris Collinsworth podcast. That's Chris, C-R-I-S, not C-H. Still see that quite a bit. All right, let's, let's run through the rest of the slate here, Sam our uh, Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. Do the Bengals 13-point underdogs have any shot here in Baltimore? I don't know that they have a shot, but this is a really interesting game to me because we saw what we've seen generally what this Ravens defense is able to do to young quarterbacks that struggle. It's bad. It gets ugly. They throw things at young quarterbacks that they're not really supposed to be able to diagnose. Like It's difficult things. They specifically attack what you're expecting to see. So they, they take it to like a step beyond what you're expecting, right? It's like, here's a blitz. You have a hot route in behind the blitz. I hit this guy. Um, but now they've specifically dialed that up and they're covering it. There's a guy shooting into that gap from somewhere weird that you're not expecting him. And you throw a pick and it looks ridiculous. Um, Baker Mayfield struggled horrifically in week one. Dwayne Haskins actually didn't play terribly last week, but it's just, it's a different challenge for Joe Burrow, right? He's going to be under pressure again because he's under pressure every week. Now he's under pressure in a way that the team he's the team that's pressuring him is also 
throwing weird things off the back end of that. So he doesn't, he in theory is going to be caused to hesitate a little bit, to, to work out what he's seeing and try and put the ball there in a way that he don't have to do against some other defenses. And that might cause some issues, whether it's holding, whether it's taking longer to deliver the ball, whether it's putting the ball in the wrong place and just having a couple of bad decisions. I just think Burrow has been so good so far. Now it's a really interesting challenge to see how he reacts to a defense that should be really hard on a young quarterback. Yeah, Blitz, uh, Ravens have the second highest blitz percentage in the league, but they're, they're not getting home a ton uh, relative to last year. Yeah, It's a 13-point spread. I'm going to say this. I, I like the Bengals to cover, and I think... I think it's going to be one of those games where, again, it's not like moral victories like I was talking about with the Panthers, just the fact that they're competitive with the first-year coach. But I think that's going to be the year for the Bengals. It's going to be a year of positive moments for Joe Burrow that just bring optimism for the future. And I don't know. They, I think the Bengals might be unblowoutable at this point. <laughs> unblowoutable. I don't know if they could be blown out with Joe Burrow at the helm. Okay. I, th I think it's just a different team. It's going to be one of those one of those games where he might not even have the best game but he's going to hang in there keep it close might even be within a score in the fourth quarter and he's going to have a chance to pull off an upset against the ravens that's what i'm feeling in this game so i like the bengals to cover the ravens to win and i think we just continue to be impressed by joe burrow and everything that he's bringing to the table yep every single week i can see that uh let's go to jacksonville at houston bill o'brien is out houston is a six point favorite here once again i do houston radio and all the folks are like this is a lot this is the lock of the week because you get the new coach in there you get a little pep in the step across the building and romeo Cornell's taking over yeah houston are they a lock at minus six here um no i don't think they're a lock like I, this texans team isn't good uh, that's part of the issue like they they've got a bad schedule to start the season they've got a bad schedule for the rest of the season jacksonville is quite a nice um middle you know break essentially to to the nightmare of teams they have to face but like fundamentally this team isn't in a good place right now and yeah like getting rid of bill o'brien might have a nice effect in terms of just improving the atmosphere all around like whatever about gm bill o'brien getting head coach bill o'brien fired you know there's reports that he was getting into some shouting matches with players and coaches and stuff like that's that's the signal that the atmosphere generally was in a bad place in the building and there's I no no i mean that stuff has an effect. We there's no in, knowing what it does. We work in an office, and we've had shouting matches in the office here. And we've sure. Got, you know. But my point is, there's no way of identifying what effect just alleviating a bad atmosphere has on a place. Um, and I think it could have a significant one, but like, it won't have a more significant one than the fact that the playing talent is the same and they haven't been playing well. Like, Unless J.J. Watt stops playing averagely, there's nobody on defense that's going to get any pressure. Unless the secondary figures out how to cover they're not going to be able to stop DJ Chark unless uh, Deshaun Watson gets more comfortable with all his receivers. They're not going to be able to carve up Jacksonville. So, I yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to say now that the problem is gone, they're going to roll. I like Houston here. I mean, I just think you just get that one week bump. I think where things change a little bit. I, I think Houston. I'm not a fan of their roster. I mean, it, uh, when my when I throw my name in the GM hat, I'll I'll highlight how much they've screwed up you're only roster. going for gm you're not coach just no i don't think i'm you know not ready for that okay i'm i'm i'm, I'm pretty realistic here you know going in and being being a general manager is enough i'm not going to take coach and play calling duties and all that stuff uh so the roster is not great however the linebackers have been terrible well, well below their standard uh 
Benardrick McKinney, Zach Cunningham, even, you know, the Justin Reeds, like they have more talent in the secondary than even they're showing. And we always keep talking about this offense where they have the pieces to have a good offense. So whatever adjustments they're able to make this week, I don't, I'm just assuming they're going to be able to make some and, uh, and, and take advantage of some of the personnel that they have. So I like, I like Houston here. I think they win, but I think it says more about the fact that Jacksonville have struggled badly the last couple of weeks than it does about Houston suddenly being good. Yeah, this will be an interesting one. It's not it's not exciting on paper. I do want to see how the Texans bounce back, though. Uh, Los Angeles Rams at the Washington football team. Rams by seven on the road here with Kyle Allen taking over for Dwayne Haskins. A lot of reports that it's a lot of off-field stuff with Dwayne Haskins, just to not the coaching staff not being happy with him in, at all. And I just want to say, we spend a lot of time talking about team building and off-season stuff and everything, and we talked about this last year. At number two overall, Washington had a choice between Tua, Herbert, mm -hmm. but they could have gone quarterback, could have grabbed Tua, or they could have taken the safe pick, Chase Young. And our whole point is you cannot just buy into Dwayne Haskins just because and maybe pass up a Tua if Tua can be an excellent starting quarterback. Now, the rebuttal is going to be, well, don't worry. A year from now, they're going to have Chase Young and Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, and that's potentially true. But, there, but we're talking about the process here, and there was a good chance that Dwayne Haskins had like a mediocre – if he had a mediocre season with just Terry McLaurin to throw to, this is still a – you know, it's not a good team. So, I mean, either way, I think you want to find that franchise-changing quarterback, and until you have it, you keep taking chances. So people that laughed about drafting Tua were four games into the season and Haskins has already been benched. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been a crazy – thing to happen and i will say that the off-field stuff if that's what it is and an attitude or whatever whatever the thing is that's consigning him to the bench must be really bad because putting kyle allen into the starting lineup as your answer at quarterback is a terrible idea kyle allen last season had a turnover worthy play rate of like six percent six percent that's is, insane it's absurdly high it basically means that you're good for multiple turnover-worthy plays a game in to, a normal like world of passing. To be fair, he had a high percentage of big-time throws as well. Both of those things tend to fluctuate a little bit more. I think in the short... Uh, I'm, uh, Kyle Allen's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Not, in today, not today. Not in today's NFL where there's 32 of them. We talk about this every week. I think he ends up as a pretty good backup, though, because of that volatility. He's got a pretty good arm to get the ball to all levels of the field we might see Washington's offense actually take a step forward. And then there'll be a game where he throws four picks and they're terrible. But I think this is an offense now with him and nobody to throw to. Terry McLaurin, though, Antonio Gibson emerging. This is like a 20-point-a-game offense maybe with Allen. At least the potential's there. Potential. Um, Haskins also was coming off, A, the best game of his season, and B, against that Baltimore defense that causes all kinds of problems for young, inexperienced quarterbacks. Like, the idea that you don't bench him after the Browns game, but you do bench him after that Baltimore game, again, is crazy to me. So I don't love the entire process surrounding this Haskins thing. I don't think they got better by putting Kyle Allen in, at which point this Washington football team season is now looking pretty ugly in terms of like what is going for it. Like this year, the only thing they had going for them was, well, let's see what Haskins has. Now Haskins has been benched. Whether there's anything in him or not, you've essentially decided that he needs to be sat down, and Kyle Allen is the answer. And well, that, like, the any question to which Kyle Allen is the answer is not a question I want to be asking. So this is 
bad. This is ugly, and the Rams will win. Next. Rams will win. I think they'll cover, but I think I think Kyle Allen's going to have a couple games where he surprises like he did last year. We're going to be sitting here debating Kyle Allen. Is he actually that good? Like, we're going to have that a couple times. No, we're not. I just went full time. Is he? I don't know if he's that good, Jim. I don't know. Look, he had the big time throw. And yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. Miami at the uh, 49ers. We got Marino Montana here this week. Dolphins <laughs> and 49ers. Let's yeah. just pretend. I was trying to work out why this was like only a nine-point line for the 49ers until I realized that they don't know who their quarterback is. That would be. Right now. If Garoppolo is the quarterback, it's probably two touchdowns that being said i i honestly don't know that it matters um any of like the all the things we've been saying about kyle rembrandt shanahan remain true right even against the eagles he was scheming up all kinds of stuff and mullins just had like the game from hell and couldn't hit any of them that's not happening two weeks in a row like mullins is fundamentally not that bad cj bethard isn't that bad jimmy garoppolo if by some miracle he ends up playing is better than both of them like there's no there's no scenario by which they're worse or as bad as they were against the Eagles, at which point they're well worth all kinds of points against Miami. Interesting analysis, because you're going with, I saw some bad stuff, but I'm not expecting that bad stuff to continue because well, why it was would too it? bad. It hasn't before. That's he, fair. He, I mean, he couldn't hit. There's a wide open guy 15 yards away from him, and he couldn't hit it. Yeah. I'll be watching the trenches in this one because, you know, you made the point the other day, like two is not coming in until the O-line is showing signs of life. The Niners are depleted on the defensive line. Or at least, you know, they lose Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, but they still have talent there in Eric Armstead and Kerry Hyder and uh, Javon Kinlaw. I want to be watching that matchup. Niners still have a decided advantage against the Dolphins O-line. And if the Dolphins... But if the Dolphins can improve just a little bit there, then we finally get to see Tua, I think. Yeah, or if they just decide that, you know, X number of losses is too many and it's time, yeah. to, th time to see the rookie regardless of how horrible the situation is, that... That happens. NFL teams do not like being patient and waiting for the optimal situation to put him in. So there's a chance he comes in at some point anyway. Now, the same description I made for the for the Bengals, does that apply to Fitz? Now, they've been blown out before. Unblowoutable? He's not unblowoutable, but boy, does he keep some games close that he shouldn't, right? He does. Years. But he's eminently blowoutable. Like, oh, he is. Fitz could implode at any given time. He is. I just don't like predicting it. I'll take I'll take the Niners, and I'll even take them to cover. Yeah, same. The nine. Denver at New England. This game, the line's down because we don't know about Cam. We don't know about the game actually happening. Stephon Gilmore's tested positive as well. Um, there's also a chance because of the timing and the way things have worked out that they could both be back by Sunday. Mm. Um, so a lot of question marks here. I think if we do see, and Drew Locke is practicing, but probably not going to play. So a lot of questions. Um, but if Brett Rippon's playing against this New England defense, that could get ugly. Yes. Um, Equally, if, if Drew Locke is playing against this defense, it could get ugly. Drew Locke also, um, once again, why, you know, people were very quick to crown Drew Locke as a franchise quarterback. And I keep coming back, like, are there not a lot of Drew Locks and Dwayne Haskins around the league right now aren't there a lot of those guys i made the point the at the time and you'll back it up with a number later that look so much of that optimism was based off simply not being joe flacco like joe flacco as right now is as depressing a quarterback as you could possibly have leading your franchise just not being him and being 22 is a reason to be optimistic <laughs> like that was he looks like a young joe flacco big arm and right but that was the sell like it wasn't that hey what we saw from him was amazing it was just that what we saw from him wasn't what we saw from flacco so let's jump on that like sure there's still upside there and there's but we hadn't really seen that much from him 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, there's still plenty of question marks there. Um, same question marks for Jarrett Stidham for the Patriots if he ends up playing. He has now thrown a lot of passes to defenders for a guy that hasn't thrown a lot of passes, period. Stop. But he had, well, I mean, yeah, but he had a, a pick six that was right in Julian Edelman's hands. Like, come on. Did, yeah, okay, forget that one. Just saying, Stidham's had two legitimate interceptions and then one where Nikhil Harry got knocked off his route where it probably should have been a jump ball. Yeah. That's it. I mean, he's only thrown like 10 passes in his career. Yeah. And he had a nice little what, red zone. Four of them have landed in the hands of the opposition. Oh, I get okay, it. Okay, only three of them you can blame him for at all. I get it. Brian Horrier was supposed to be the game manager, the veteran, and all that stuff, and he was making rookie-like mistakes in that game, so he gets benched. By the way, let me just clarify something. I said on Twitter, this has got to be the first time a Patriots quarterback's been benched since, what, 1992? And then everybody mentioned the 2014 Brady game in Kansas City. Hmm. That wasn't a benching. That was when you take your starter out at the end of the game in a blowout. Now, they were getting blown out. Mm -hmm. That was not a bench. Tom Brady did not get benched in 2014. It, I mean, so it was one of those games where it it's kind of a benching, but not like one that anybody thinks of as a permanent thing. It wasn't. Like a lot it was of benchings, just like being up 42 to 7. You're just like, I'm taking my quarterback out. It's a blowout. But like a lot of benchings, it's like, well, that guy's been benched and oh no, now he can't be the starter anymore because you just sat him down. There were also games where like a guy is just shitting himself to such a degree that you're like, dude, somebody pull him from the game before he like breaks a hip. That was what happened to Brady in that game. It was like, he is having such a nightmare in this game. They just pull him. Get they him out just, of there before something bad happens. They were just playing the long game. It's week four. You're not getting hurt. I don't think it's wrong to say he was benched, but it was only oh, supposed on. to be for like the, Everybody the, on Twitter was wrong. the last Brady was, few minutes of that game. Brady wasn't benched in 2014. They would just give it, you know, taking him out at the end of the game. Um, anything else you're looking for in this Denver-New England game? bringing him to the bench. Yes. Introducing him to the bench. Uh, New England, I, 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 think, I think our feeling on the Patriots is going to change based off their schedule every week. Yeah, weekly. Right? They're beating some bad teams. They're losing to good teams. I think that's probably going to be what they are throughout the season. And that's a 9-7, and 10-6 and six type of team that's, you know, competing for the AFC East title. Yeah, I mean, this is one that is very contingent on the guys they're missing. I mean, obviously, no Gilmore completely changes what that defense is even capable of doing. No Cam Newton does the same thing for the offense. Like, it, it, who the hell knows? Without those guys it's a hell of a lot closer than it is if they're both there. Um, I think in almost all circumstances, you have to expect the Patriots to win this game. Right. If just because they're better coached, right? There's, there's yeah. a better baseline to all of this. Um, but it changes massively, like how confident you are based off who they're actually, who they have available to them. It is funny because I keep mentioning, hey, there's plenty of quarterbacks to go around to the NFL, but there also seem like there's a lot of teams that are just overmatched, Denver being one of them. So I like New England here. The other teams that are overmatched in general are playing the last two games we're going to be talking here. The Giants teams. are overmatched. The Jets are just overmatched across the rest of the league. Washington, who we talked about. The Giants are at Dallas. Nine and a half point game for the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys defense, of course, is like the biggest hot button issue. They're you know giving up about 40 a game over the last three weeks. But they have the Giants and Washington and Arizona uh, and Philadelphia in their next four games in some order. They're going to look better, right? The defense it has to. Yeah. Although, yes. So in theory, they will look better. I'm the Giants. In theory, are a good team for them to look better against. On the other hand, I'm kind of curious if Danny Dimes can actually start to deal against a defense that's garbage, as opposed to some good ones that he's run up against and had some problems. 
I like the offensive line should be able to hold up better against the fact that Dallas doesn't really have a good defensive line, particularly in the run game where they haven't been able to run the ball at all, regardless of whether they have Saquon Barkley or not, because the line has been terrible. But like, you know, Tristan Hill was getting buried into the turf by double teams Bad. from the Cleveland Browns. Dallas, or the New York Giants can't do that, but they might still be able to win, um, which gives them a running game. And if you can just get some pressure off Daniel Jones, you might actually see him start to deal a little bit and put put the ball in the air. And when the ball is in the air against that Dallas secondary, that's just a worry if you're Dallas. Will so, he put the ball in the air? He's so. only at t- only 5.4% of Daniel Jones' passes have been at 20-plus yards. That is tied for last in the NFL with... Drew Brees. Yeah, but a huge amount of that is that they're just getting wrecked up front. So they're trying to get the ball away and quickly. Um, but I'm curious, that's what I'm saying. I'm curious to see if going up against this Dallas defense actually changes the way the Giants look on offense because it's such a, a matchup swing away from what they've been dealing with before. And that makes it interesting because, you know, they, they might be able to actually cause some more problems to Dallas than we're expecting. Yeah, I think Dallas's offense just continues to do what they're doing, you know, pushing the envelope, knowing that they, you know, are trying to score a lot of points, which I know sounds simple, but they are keeping their foot on the gas and trying to um, play in these shootouts. So I, I like Dallas a lot in this game to look better. I like Dallas to look better in general over the next four weeks. I'm not ready to give up on them yet. So I'll take them to win in, cover the nine and a half. And then let's wrap it up with the Arizona Cardinals at the New York Fighting Flacco's. That's right. The Jets have Joe Flacco at quarterback this week. And I I made excuses for Flacco in his last few years as starter. I said, look, if he had, he's an aggressive, he was an aggressive quarterback until all of his playmakers were depleted. Mm. And for about five straight years, we saw Flacco playing like Alex Smith, despite having that big arm, Sam, that everybody always talked about. Big cannon for an arm that I think also lost a little luster the last allegedly big arm flacco might set the record for most checkdowns in a game here in this one with the with the jets receiving core yeah that's my prediction i mean yeah they, zone heavy d against arizona i think anybody any running back for the jets that's playing ppr monster in this one <laughs> 11 catches frank for gore. 52 yards yeah frank gore is gonna go 10 catches 10 catches for 29 yards. And 10 carries for 11 yards? Correct. Well, he'll get his three. Okay. I think he'll go 10 carries for 29 and 10 catches for 29. Oh, God. 2.9 a pop for both. What is happening? Why? The fact that Joe Flacco was back in a football game is just depressing. I don't care about the Jets' offense. The Jets' offense is bad. Everybody's hurt. It's, it's a mess. They're getting people wrecked. It's just forget that. The other side of the ball is the interesting one to me. The Carolina Panthers did a pretty good job of causing some problems structurally and fundamentally to that Cardinals offense, right? They were able to wreck them in the run game, particularly up front with Derek Brown in the middle. And it kind of caused them to change what they wanted to do because it was like, wow, we can't actually run these things because Derek Brown is just tossing the sender to the side and making plays. Like we need to struck, we need to fundamentally change the plays we're calling because these don't work anymore. Um, the Jets, if they can, like, they can actually stop the run up front. They've got some impressive run defending bodies that might be able to do a similar job in terms of wrecking what the Cardinals do, and that, like, that changes the game. Like, you now have to rely on Kyler Murray doing more things that are outside of the structure of that offense, and he's capable of it. But it just it throws a complete spanner into the works in terms of what that Cardinals offense wants to do, and you can do it without being very good everywhere, right? You just need like one guy that's dominant up front in the run game. 
to basically make them toss out a chunk of the playbook, at least judging by last week. So I'm curious to see if the Jets can achieve that or if they're just still bad on everywhere, every side of the ball. I don't know if we've overrated Arizona a little bit, but their offense this year, from a grading standpoint, three, just as an offense overall, three grades in the low 60s as an offense, and then one really good one against the Lions in the, you know, at 75. So still, you know, I had, I think I just had higher hopes for what Arizona was going to do offensively as well. Um, and Kyler, yeah, it was one of those games like last year, a lot of completions for just not a ton of yards from this offense, a lot of empty completions, so to speak. So I want to see if they bounce back in that area against the Jets team that is not great in the back seven yeah. at all. Or the front seven. Or the front seven. Or the offense. Or the offense, offensive mm -hmm. line, mm -hmm. receiver, quarterback. In fact, it's it's kind of tricky oh, to moving. find. Oh, yeah, we're moving. Yeah, we got some. Uh, we're in motion. Some video elements there. I love it. In the windows. Right. Uh, the floating heads in the windows. It's kind of difficult to find an area where the Jets are good. I'm taking Arizona. They're favored by seven, by the way, on the road. Yeah. And I'll take not, Arizona. I think that. Uh, it's not crazy. I'll take Arizona. Uh, I'll take the Jets to cover, though. Jets keep it close somehow. Sound good. That's it, man. That's all the games. Yeah. Uh, let's get to Andrew. Um, anything else to push you? So you have your audio montage at the end. Mm -hmm. And we have our discussion right now with Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network, host of DirecTV's yes. Red Zone, which we will discuss. So welcome in, friend of the show. We did recorded this yesterday. Andrew Siciliano. All right. We are so excited to be joined by Sam's hero, Andrew Siciliano of the NFL Network. He's your hero, right, Sam? Are you one nervous? Of them, one, of them, one of them. We've got multiple heroes here as our, uh, our fledgling broadcast wow. careers. Welcome, Andrew. How's it going? Guys, I'm flattered. I'm touched. I'm moved. Um, Sam, aim higher. But regardless, thank you, <laughs> I think. The so, last time we spoke to you was it was before all this chaos. It was in person in Indianapolis for the Combine. What? How has this COVID world thrown uh, thrown your whole life into into chaos? How does how does TV work from uh, from COVID land? Well, I mean, we're back in the studio now. We have been um, since about mid August, but for about four or five months there, um, I was working uh, from here at home. I'm in the kitchen now, and you know, down the steps right there, guest bedroom, and I, I was working uh on an nfl network camera that they set up on on friday march 20th so pre-agency opened on wednesday right and then they set it up on friday and then our network uh, did its last show i think uh from from our studios for many 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 months on on march 20th i am very fortunate and i cannot stress this enough fortunate to be uh, working and fortunate to be able to work from home for those months and to be healthy and all that uh, because there are plenty of people that can't say otherwise. Um, but I do remember, guys, we, we were at Elmo's and we were in Indianapolis. And, you know, COVID was a thing then, but it, it was not something that I don't think the whole world took seriously at that point. And I remember flying home from Indy and, and wiping everything down, right? Right on on like the 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 seat and the the table and all that on the plane and i had this fear because i had the sniffles and as you guys well know everybody who leaves the combine after no one has ever left the combine after a week and felt healthy no at no. any time because you stay up all night you have a drink you schmooze you socialize and then you do it again and then you do it again and then it's snowing i have never gone home healthy <laughs> but I flew home that day. 
going, oh, crap. What if I'm like the typhoid Mary of the NFL, <laughs> right? Like, what if I have it? And I'm, I'm like going to my head like, is there like, I pretty much shook hands from someone from all 32 buildings. Yeah, with everybody like, this thro- week. Right. Thro- throwing Park Avenue and throwing films. Like, what if I had to shut down 34 buildings because I have this thing? NPFF. Hmm. It's 35. NPFF. Right. The most important building of them all. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, people were fist bumping that that week yeah thinking that's gonna help like it had just started right the covid was a thing thing. everybody was sort of aware of it and then there was like the 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 briefest inklings of like a nod to you know social distancing and hygiene it's like well we'll we'll fist bump or we'll elbow bump but that's it other other than that let's just hope it isn't a thing yet you're right Right. It's, it's a fascinating week of everybody just you know could barely talk in the morning and all that stuff but um, I thought we had a pretty good conversation because we were most intrigued, I think, by Red Zone and what's happening on a Sunday and all the craziness. And if you get along with Scott Hansen, all of that, <laughs> that's that's the most important thing. Do people realize that there's two Red Zones? I don't even know if people realize. I think they I hope they do by now. Um, it's it's been a while. I, I will take the commissioner's line. And I do actually believe this. And that is Scott and I are, are just happy that everyone is able to watch some version of it. Um, and if you have direct TV, if you have Sunday ticket, you get me. Um, if you have cable, you get Scott. That's pretty much the easiest way to figure it out. But Scott and I, um, to this day, still get tweets from people going, I can't believe you called in sick today. Like, who's this other guy? I'm like. <laughs> No, you either switch providers or maybe you're at a friend's house, which with COVID doesn't happen as much these days. Um, but there are definitely, definitely two other times where Scott says something and they think it's me or I say something and they, they think it's Scott um, or how dare you switch off that game. I didn't. It's the other one. <laughs> so whatever. To, so the people aren't confused. Why are there two? I mean, I know why there are two, I think. Uh, but sure why are there two? I mean, because Andrew gets to tell me Hey, this game's on channel 712, right? He can direct me to my direct TV channel that I have that Scott's people don't. This story <laughs> could go all day, but the, the shortest version is in uh, 2005 um, or even maybe the fall of 04 when uh, direct TV's um, NFL Sunday ticket deal was being, it was going to be up soon as renegotiated with the league as all these deals are done. Uh, David Hill, um, the uh, Aussie, the genius, uh, the sports television pioneer who put the blue dot on the puck and invented Fox NFL Sunday, brought the NFL to Fox and all these things. Uh, David Hill had this idea. Now, back then, Fox owned and ran DirecTV. And David Hill came up with this idea called the Red Zone Channel that at the time was something that they had done with another property, Sky in Italy, Sky Italia, with Serie A Soccer and brought the idea to the NFL and said, I want to do this. And the league said, that's great. Let's sign off on it. Got CBS and Fox to say yes. Um, However, the first year, um, uh, CBS didn't want to do it because the deal technically didn't begin until 06. So we started at 05. David Hill controlled Fox and DirecTV, hired me to do it. We launched the whole thing. Anyway, so we're like four years, five years into it. And uh, DirecTV's deal came up again as these things happen. And uh, NFL Network, 
And the league decided, hey, this is really cool. We want to do one as well. And we want to use it uh, as, as a way to convince cable companies to take our new network, which was then in its um, first couple of years and wasn't getting all the cable clearance. Um, and we want to do one too. And that was part of the negotiation to extend DirecTV's deal that, um, that NFL Network would produce a similar show and, and offer that to everyone else. And you didn't just have to have Sunday ticket to get the show that we had started a couple of years previous at DirecTV. The issue became uh, they didn't change the name. And during this whole process, I raised my hand and said, you know, the name's going to be confusing. Why don't we like call it? My suggestion was touchdown TV. Ooh. Hey, you know what? I mean, that kind of, it it's alliterative. Late? That kind of works. We can still do that. Still do that. Nope. <clears throat> didn't, didn't happen. They kept the name. Um, they, they tweaked it. NFL red zone as opposed to the red zone channel. Still confusing. <coughs> Excuse me. Wrong pipe with that water. Uh, what made it even more confusing is that when the announcement was made and I was not yet at NFL network. When the announcement was made, there really were no details, and my phone starts blowing up. And I knew that I wasn't going to do the one of the network. There are going to be two versions. Congratulations, this and that, you know, all these, like, but I couldn't say anything. Yeah. So that led to more confusion. Um, and then uh, that first year, it really wasn't made clear to the new customers. It wasn't hidden, it just wasn't made clear. And then, and then, and then about two years later, I went to work for NFL Network and people just then totally got confused. <laughs> no, I remember people thinking it was the, when they saw the, the new version, thinking it was the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, listen, I've had DirecTV for years now. I, this is, this isn't new. This isn't a new thing. I still like the fact that you can tell me what channel the game's on. Well, I mean, and that was DirecTV's attitude too, Eric Shank's attitude, um, who, who now is back at Fox, running Fox Sports, but Eric was, you know, he's the guy that helped launch it at DirecTV, and he was our first producer. Eric said, uh, when, I, when I brought up, you know, how they got into the difference or whatever, we had a meeting, and he said, we have the games, bleepity bleep. So, <laughs> you know, always remind right. people that we have the games. I like it. So what is the setup for you when you're doing Red Zone? What does it look like from your side of the camera? Where, how many TVs, how many people are helping you try and keep track of up to, how many, like, how many games do you get maximum on a- Nine year? usually. Nine games. There's a rare 10, right? Yeah. Uh, we 10? had 10 a couple of weeks ago. We would have had 10 last week, if not for the two uh, games getting moved. Um, and we will have 10, at one point later in the season after the buys, I'm fairly certain. I think the most we've ever had is 11 or 12. That was 11. 11 I think there's like a week 17 where he might have had 11 once, but I, I don't, I can't recall. But uh, Sam, to answer your question, I, we have a, a beautiful studio and we have, I basically have a, a wall of 10 monitors um, and I just pace the entire time. I, I have other places on stage where we can bring up other games if if we have more or if the if the early games don't end in time and, and too many late games are starting um then there's a big 103 inch touch screen from where we do the pregame, and then i have a, a program monitor you to see what's actually on the air but basically i just pace and scream and yell and uh <laughs> this year is a lot different because like with every other tv show we have drastically cut our staff and it it hurts me because 
Um, you know, there are fewer people working with us on Sunday and obviously that's jobs and that's the trickle down for all of this. Yeah. Um, but we've gone from like 10 people in the, on, on the floor with me to, to five and we've gone probably from 12 to five in the control room. We have far fewer people, but, um, I have two researchers with me and they're kind of like my spotters. They, they're trying to stay further away this year. They're masked up, um, cause I'm not, and we're testing in the morning. But, uh, you know, it's their job to, especially this year with, with, with fluid rosters, you know, I, I may have a, I might look up and go, who the hell is 37 on Arizona? That's yeah. just a random name and number. I don't know who that is. And they could, you know, look that up real quick. Um, they're there for jersey IDs, but, but most importantly, they're there for context. In other words, I, I can look, I can be looking at these three games, look over there, and all of a sudden I see a red challenge flag on the, on the field, like, there's so much context. Who's challenging? Right. What was the call on yeah. the field? What's the down and distance? Do we think they're going to win it? Things like that. Um, and that's where they are invaluable. Like, I could not survive without that. Um, and then I have one guy in my ear, Bill Wagner, who's produced for many years, and, and pretty much only one person's allowed to talk in my ear. Um, and Bill and I have an ongoing conversation, and then when we know that, like, my, like it's time to go – it's three, two, one, bam, and then, and then at that point my mic goes on and I'm talking and I'm talking until I'm no longer talking and then my mic goes, my mic goes away. But the easiest thing for us is that all our games are numbered. So, uh, and, and the monitors, like I know that's one through five, that's six through 10, um, and that eases communication because say take the Bengals and Jaguars last week. To Sam, it might be the Bengals game, right? Zolo might be the, the Jaguars game, um, and someone else might be Cincinnati. Um, none of that works. That's game two or whatever it was in the monitor. And so it, it's got to be names and numbers down. and Like, it's got to be all of that. Like, hey, we're splitting three and six. Hey, we're three-six split. We're going to bring an eight later when they come out of commercial. And so everything has to be communicated that way. No pronouns. You can't say they challenged. He caught it. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Um, so that's, uh, we've kind of, we have a great system down because we've had so many people working together for years and they are, I, I can't survive without that crew. Man, I, I need spotters on a Sunday. I, I try to watch the eight <laughs> box mix on direct TV. It's a challenge. I just need, I need, I need my kids helping me out. I, how, how are they getting are they trained train, up yet? Bring them in next year. Right. My five-year-old's is a little, he's just, you know, who's the red team yeah. is what we're trying to, to get past right now. How, how are the spotters work? They just have like certain games that they're watching too, as far as, um, you know, being well, able to inform you. So there's, there's somebody on every game, but not in that room I on headset, whose job it is to like cut those highlights and to track that game. Yeah. Um, but the guys on the floor are literally just another set of eyes for me. Gotcha. Right. And there's a lot of nonverbal. Like, if my mic is open and I'm talking over three games, they can't say um, Joe Burrow just hit T. Higgins or the 15. Like, they may look at me and that's game two and just go, you know, like, look at game two and look up there. And then I'll yeah. look up and I should be able to figure it out pretty quickly. But if not, they have a legal pad and they'll write like 33, meaning that, that T. Higgins catch was good for 33 yards. Yeah, I was always wondering how you know how the yard the yardage that you guys are able to cite pretty quickly. They're they're, they're so amazing. We have a third guy who's sitting way off in the distance on um 
on the in, the internal NFL stack computer. You guys know, you know, GSIS. We call it Jesus for those yeah. that's mm-hmm. not sacrilegious for those who don't know that at home. <laughs> but they're in the system, so to speak. So the second that's posted in the press box, they can see what that distance is. Yeah. And sometimes I have to look over there, and it's like a stock trader on the floor, like three three kind of yeah. thing. We, so we need a red zone uh, for the red zone behind the scenes. I think yeah. Yeah, I want to see it, this it, thing in action. We, we, I wish we could have more people in and I wish we could show more behind the scenes. I mean, we've done some videos behind the scenes, but, um, they're always, they always, for whatever reason, um, cut it to just me losing my mind. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> or, well, that's what the people want to see. Right. That's they, they show that stuff as opposed to, uh, honestly, I, I know I'm sounding modest here, like, but how much work everyone else does to get the product on the air? Because yeah. that—that's that to me is the most important thing. Yeah. Well, it's also like just the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of it is the thing that's most interesting to to us. I mean, we've done you know small little bits of TV here and there, and you sit there every week for eight hours or whatever it is doing just one giant constant stream of TV. It, it kind of blows my mind. And one of the things that interests me is I've rarely seen you in the wild without a coffee in your hand. What is your coffee routine for a Sunday during which you are in front of a camera for an extended period of time? It's uh, it's pretty intense. Um, this is actually water, I, I should say. Yeah, you're, um, you're good now. You're good now. So uh, I have a coffee problem. I'm free <laughs> to okay. really admit that. Uh, First step I is drink. acknowledging it. A um, on the way to work on Sunday morning, I I get a five shot iced americano. Five shot, five, five. shot, um, and then so the show starts at ten local here, and yeah. as soon as the show begins, um, I I get handed uh, another cup of good old fashioned uh, Keurig made office coffee, and I probably power through. Certainly two in the early games. Um, and then I usually go to a third at the start of the late games. I usually don't have more than one for the late games. Um, and honestly, that's why my focus wanes. You guys may notice sometimes I, I think I get sloppy a little bit in the late yeah. games. Yeah, like definitely. last week, the Rams were on. You know, <laughs> I'm a Rams fan. I work for the Rams. So I was, and that game was frustrating, obviously. It's like St. So Louis think- Rams, Kurt Warner back to, <laughs> you know, gets really sloppy in the fours. It, it gets so sloppy. So uh, I think my focus waned a little bit. If we if we get to a, a game late sometimes, I think it's in the late window because we're all just fried. But um, yeah, so to answer your question, probably, I mean, if you, if you think that one espresso is truly a cup of coffee, I don't always buy that math, but that's like the general thought. Yeah. That I, I have seven to eight cups a day on <laughs> Sunday. Nothing wrong with that. I'm similar. I mean, you don't get I'm in a similar range. range. Absolutely. No, so. Absolutely, that's great. Do you ever do you ever watch uh, Scott's show and like do you watch film? Do you have any <laughs> any tips on Scott and what he's doing? Do you, is there competition? Is there any competition here at all? Yes, there. I, I would say I don't think. I mean, it's not like it's going to be a you know like a trident fight like an anchorman in the alley or anything like that. But uh, I mean, I, I would hope there's a little bit of competition. I can't watch Scott's show because not live. I have Direct TV. Oh, so look at you. I, yes. I don't get it at home. Company man. I have I've caught snippets of it when like NFL Network in the summer at times has done like has done like replay shows and I'm flipping around. 
Um, I know this sounds really weird, and I really do mean this, like with all due respect. I, I don't want to watch. I, I don't. I don't know that I've said that out loud. It's not a shot at Scott. It's like I'm comfortable with what we're doing. You know, I know we do a good job, and I know Scott does a good job because um, Scott's great at what he does everywhere else on NFL Network. We got a soundbite so, here. You know, no, I like. No. I, I know Scott does a good job, and I, and I know and the people that produce that show or the people that I work with during the week on on NFL Now and my other shows on the network. That's right. So, like, I know they're great at their jobs. So, you know, it, the, the weird thing is with with television production in Los Angeles, sports production specifically here, um, between Fox, DirecTV, NFL Network, and, and really not, I wouldn't include ESPN. They're later in the game here, the last decade when they built LA Live. But Fox, DirecTV, and NFL Network. We all know each other, and it's all so many of the same producers and camera and, and PAs and, like, just freelance overlap people or, or people that work at both full-time. And so, I mean, we're all kind of one big happy family. So I got a great question. Scott Hansen last week, he's been pushing the, uh, the analytical numbers, you know, saying that this, this coach was absolutely right to go for two in this scenario, and they, they've been – He's been essentially evangelizing. Is that the right? Okay. The, the, the analytics. Yeah, preaching. There you go. Much better. Well done. He's been essentially preaching the analytics. We need. What can we give Andrew to start pushing for us, for PFF? That's a good question. So, I, again, not having watched, I, I don't know, but I do know that it's certainly during the, during the week of the network, we, you know, we have a big push for the next-gen stats, you know, powered by AWS, of course. Right. And we use your PFF stuff as much as we can as well through that partnership. So I, I get why they would do that. Um, we don't do as much with that. What could we push? I think we need to give you something po like PFF podcast specific that we can get yeah. you to push. You know, like I mean, we need like code I'm words for like if you guys want to give me a podcast line, yes. I, I'm all for. for now we're talking. We gotta... My thing on Sunday is to just kind of. I, I just want to. I'm not a big big fan of like win percentage. If you do this or that, right? I would rather just like admire the craziness of what's unfolding in real time you know what i'm saying so first off we just need a, a general pff nfl podcast mention right, right. like hey okay. the guys were talking about well, this on the pff on. nfl podcast sam that'd be hates, the first thing. sam hates with my like when i tossed a london right <laughs> so this was the, this was the other thing that came up when we were in india is that you actually listen to our podcast I, I haven't listened in a few weeks. Don't take it personally. Wow. Uh, life wow. takes over sometimes. But That's yes, all right. I millions of other people have instead. <laughs> so don't worry. Regular listener, plenty of times. We're growing yeah. in spite of you abandoning us, Andrew. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's it, the, the last few weeks have been a bit crazy. Um, well, I am all for like, give me something. Let, like, give me something. I'll work it in. Perfect. We're gonna have to think about this. This is this yeah, is I like a some serious, time. serious high level decision that needs to happen behind the scenes. But we'll or, we're in touch. If you want to make it like an inside joke thing, yes, yeah, absolutely. Some like Easter eggs. Guys about the other podcast wasn't the, wasn't their whole thing like the the witching hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Scott got on that train. This is great. We, yeah, so we need some Easter eggs or something that only our listeners will know. And, and look, full disclosure, I I haven't been watching you either because again, I've been watching the eight box mix, <laughs> and I just wow. haven't put up the Red Zone channel next to it yet. So believe me, listen, I didn't have I didn't have preseason. I didn't have preseason to just like get my I, like this is this is week one this right here in week five this is descended Honestly, to a very petty that, level already. that factored like for us too um because 
like normally for NFL Network, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to go on the road for a couple of weeks and like see 12 teams in person or something like that. And and you guys know this. Like how many times the first couple of weeks do you do you see a guy, you look at a roster and go, oh, crap, this guy's on that team now? Yeah. Right. Right. Especially when they wear the same number. Ah. Like T, like when you saw T. Higgins catching a touchdown, you were like, "What's Ocho Cinco right, doing here?" Right? Right, exactly. And <laughs> and or or what numbers are rookies wearing? Yes. Like you, we would have had J.K. Dobbins wearing twenty-seven highlights, or it, T. Higgins wearing eighty-five highlights. Like you would have had those numbers, or Van Jefferson right. wearing twelve, burned into your head, or you would have you would have remembered that there's a new kicker in Buffalo who's a rookie, or things like that, and you'd have those names on the tip of your tongue. And week one, I was legit, not nervous necessarily, but I put in so much extra work before week one this year um, on Saturday just to make sure all of those things were taken care of because we didn't have a preseason either. Yeah, It should be illegal to replace a player with the same position wearing the same number the next season. Like you get rid of a guy, you know, left guard number 74, and you replace him with left guard number 74. That should be against the rules. It's maddening. I I didn't, I I could be wrong. Did the Niners dress Ziggy Ansah and Solomon Thomas's number a couple of weeks ago? I didn't even, I didn't even know this. I think they did. That would be 94. 94, yeah. Yeah, because I I think I'd seen a tweet from like Niners PR or, or Matt Mayoko or someone covering the Niners early in the morning mentioning that. Like Solomon had given permission, and you know, it, it was like they were out of jersey numbers or something with retired numbers. And I remember I walked into the state onto the stage. I'm like, "Hey guys, heads up! Ziggy Ansah is dressed as Solomon Thomas today." <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah. That is the the first few weeks are tough, especially, and then you've you've had situations like that. That's just tough. Um, l- let's get you out of here with this. <laughs> Sam and I haven't done a whole lot of TV through the years, but. Our first experience was with the great Paul Burmeister. We're oh, doing awesome. we're doing live to tape, mm-hmm. and and it it like boggled our minds. Sam still talks about it to this day that he could actually talk with somebody in his ear, counting backwards with a hard out. It oh, was just it me, was just ridiculous. Let me let me relay it to Andrew. He'll be he'll appreciate this as a man in TV as well. It's, it is still to this day the most impressive thing I've seen anybody do on TV. So we had all these segments, you know, done up. The, the show is whatever it was, forty right. minutes long. So the last segment is his wrap it up and throw it to the to the break or to the end. And he has that, it was a sort of flexible amount of time based on how long all the other segments took. So he finally gets, they start going and he's got his auto cue going that he's reading from. And then a guy comes on and is counting backwards the number of seconds that he has left. So 30, 29, 28. And while this is happening, he has to read the auto cue and adjust how, adjust his pacing so that he matches the countdown in his ear. If somebody is coming on my ear and there's a, a, a auto cue I'm reading, my brain would explode, let alone trying to match pace at the same time. Like Stop Tyler, Tyler right here. You would answer him. You'd be like, yeah, I, you'd start counting probably. Right I now. wouldn't, but I've seen that done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to live TV. That, that, that's how it's done. Burmy is awesome, first of all. Paul, Paul's great, he and, and he sounds amazing. I don't know if you guys catch him in the car on Saturdays. Uh, doing Notre Dame radio. He is amazing on Notre Dame radio. So good. Um, that's how we do it. Uh, it it's, I, now, I always tell my producers, um, shut up with the count. Like, give me... <laughs> that's smart. Like, give me a 20, a 10, a 5. Yeah. yeah. I could, I could bridge the gap. Right. <laughs> right. Like, 
20. All right, I got it. I could, I could adjust 10. All right, now I really got to, we're almost on five, that kind of thing. But, you know, for games, like if you're in a truck, let's say you're in a booth doing play-by-play, a lot of times, like it's got to be perfect because you're hitting like a network break or you're right. tossing back to affiliates. You know what I'm saying? It's not just your network or your channel or your podcast. And so then they do count you, and that it, that that could be annoying. Five, four, three. Yeah, the other annoying part of it, excuse me, is when you have other people you're talking to, like for NFL now. And I, our last segment with one more thing. I got Garofolo, I got Ian, I got Tom, I got Judy, I got whomever. We got four people. Um, and the way our setup is at the network, this is really too inside baseball here. Um, when they're counting, I lose program audio. So in other words, I lose what the other people are saying. Uh-huh. And so, like, you can't count me because if you count me and Mike Garofalo says something like, that's why I think Ian Rappaport's the biggest vineyard vine wearing dorks, dork on earth. <laughs> which is likely. Which is likely. I don't hear it, right? Um, all I just, and then I go, all right, thanks for watching. <laughs> and, and then I watch it back later and I'm like, wait a minute. Mike just threw Ian under the bus and I didn't hear it because they were counting me. So the rule of thumb generally at our show, uh, you know, every, every day on NFL Network is just give me a stinking five and that's it. Yeah. You know. What, like what's, what's the biggest thing that's ever gone wrong for you during live TV? Oh, that's a good one. Right? Oh, wow. See, I'm, we're getting good during at this Live now. TV? Hmm. Now you stumped our guests. Well, yeah, maybe we could have this awkward downtime. Right. We're just getting used to this interview thing. It, it's, uh, it's I'll give you an example. Like yesterday, this wasn't the biggest thing, but like yesterday, the show begins at NFL Network at, uh, at one o'clock Eastern. And because with COVID, like there's no one in the newsroom. Like it's just me in there. Now it's not like that every day, but uh, yesterday there was truly no one in the room. Well, the show begins and I'm getting double audio. I'm getting echo, echo, echo. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Worst. Right? like Lou Gehrig saying today, 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 I consider myself, self, self, right? Like that. Well, I can't communicate that to anybody because there's no one there to communicate (laughs) to. And plus I don't have a talk back button. Hold up a two. I've got to do the show. So then I go, bring it in. Ian, the Titans all have COVID. What's the story? So Ian starts to talk. I can't hear Ian because there was, there were like literally wires were crossed and, but I can't communicate that. So I got to wait till they take Ian full TV term meeting I'm off screen and then like start like in <laughs> like and I do that and then text our producer and they they already on it they figured it out that's not that bad uh I thought of one many years ago I was doing a preseason game for the Rams we were at Arrowhead um like a sweltery Kansas City summer day and uh there was a, a power outage at Arrowhead so like three quarters of the lights went out, but it was still like a late afternoon kick. So the sun was still out. Um, and we lost everything in the booth, but the game kept going. So I don't know if I'm on the air. So you have to keep calling the game. Okay, that's great. So you can't have any communication. Well, Governor Jay Nixon of Missouri was in the booth because he was supposed to be my next guest you know, the two Missouri teams playing the governors there. Yay, let's do an interview. Um, well, then we go to, like, they time out, you know, players go to the sideline. Like, I don't know, am I now interviewing the governor? Are we still on TV? <laughs> That's great. Right? And so then, like, 
governor, get in here. Hey, here's the headset. All right. And then I, I still don't have communication. Then all of a sudden I literally get like a go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Are we not on camera? Like, is the game being played? Hey, it's Governor Jay Nixon, everybody. That's and great. yeah, that was that was a bit different. We eventually established communications. I don't think I don't think it was that bad. There uh, there has been like a it. massive uptick in terms of you know comedy mistakes, technical glitches between COVID and people working yeah. from home and the streaming. Right, you know ESPN Plus and all these games that go out in a streaming service that clearly doesn't get they don't get the studio stuff in the halftime. Right, so you get what it's clearly a slightly different feed to somebody watching mm -hmm. on TV. So I was watching a game last week where it cuts back after halftime and the announcer goes, commentary will resume in 15. And you're like, no, <laughs> commentary just resumed. You're live, guys. Yeah, yeah. whether you know it or not. Well, it's funny, when we do preseason rehearsal for the Red Zone, which we couldn't do this year, obviously there was no preseason, but like usually one day during the summer, we'll pick a night where there's six or seven games on and just go in and do a really informal rehearsal. It's not on the air, but we're getting those those backhaul feeds, right? Right, And I'll look up and a couple of years ago, I look up and it's at halftime, but the feed we're getting from Baltimore is the is the booth feed. And Brian Billick is sitting there like <laughs> chicken wings. And so I take out my phone and I snap a picture. Like, Damn, those look good. No <laughs> it's amazing. And, and I'm watching the camera. You could just see him look at his phone and just go. <laughs> You never know. Never know when you're on yeah. camera. The mic's always on. The camera is always on. Yes. By the way, we went through a stretch for our NFL Now hits where we were all double audio on our end. I'm just oh. hearing myself the entire time. It was like three or three hits in a row, wasn't it, Sam? We both yeah. had to deal with that. Hearing I mean, yourself repeated back in your own ear like a second after you said something whilst trying to maintain a train of thought is a nightmare. Yeah. I can't stand the sound of my own voice, so... Yeah, I don't need to hear it twice. <laughs> I love it. Any uh, any advice for us then as a live TV yeah. expert? What's the yeah, best advice you've no, ever gotten? I, I don't think you guys need advice from me. I wish we had you more on. Like uh, the, the I know Shahuri comes on Fridays with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he stole our spots. Uh, your schedules now. I don't even know. No, George stole our spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he no, took he, our spots. We're yeah. available. Yeah. I'm going to squeeze myself back yeah. in there, but he's just taken all of them. I think aren't you guys in charge? No, he is now. Yeah. George he put himself George. put himself right on there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I power I, move, I, huh? I did not know that. Yeah. We need we need to go straight to Andrew. That's our problem. This is my new thing, just yeah. being completely on. We're we're only doing this interview because the boss has told us to, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just telling I, you. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> you, I mean you should see half the interviews we do sometimes. Um yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that is good. Like text, we'll work something out. Or or we could like, you know pull a fast one and and promote george and then just throw you guys on yes yeah that's it like from my from my house too like really make it awkward right. from but your, is uh, your brick wall real because i think george sometimes uses a fake brick wall on his yeah no it's it's not i and mean it's real enough it, you know we can't have a real one because george gets he gets angry he's got some anger issues he would run into it you know he would probably try to throw a shoulder at it no, George is fine. He's cool. We can't this pick is on way him. too inside politics. <laughs> well, Andrew, it's been great. So we're going to figure something out. We're going to have some Easter eggs for the DirecTV yeah. listeners. I think yeah. that's what well, we're going to try to pull You off. should. I will do it. And um, 
listeners to the podcast, if they're still listening at this point with all our rambling. <laughs> That's a great um, caveat. Great caveat. A, they should give us suggestions. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we'll get some suggestions from the listeners. We'll have something PFF NFL podcast related, or you, and you could also just cite PFF grades as much as possible throughout the, uh, the afternoon, you know, it's easy. Right. Or, or we could make up like a fake metric. Yes. Oh, that's now really good. we're cooking. This yeah. is yeah. We got to we, We'll get a group text going. We'll have some serious, you know, ideation going. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna the, do this. The ridiculous things we could do. This is perfect. I can't wait. Well, I'm firing up yeah, red zone like, this week. Like guard pole pancake percentage. Yes. <laughs> Please. Please make sure everybody make sure all your spotters know to keep an eye out for the guard pole pancakes. Yeah, and we'll make that happen. Particularly if it's like a wide receiver on the play. Yeah, <laughs> totally. this is gonna be great. Get out of the way. All right. Well. This has been awesome. We'll have you back if you're, you know, so inclined. Would love to. Would love to. Well, thank you, Andrew. You do great work. Thanks for watching. Of course. Yeah, you do great work. Keep it up on NFL Network. Keep it up on Red Zone and everybody check them out and uh, get DirecTV so you can listen to Andrew over Scott. Yes, that's my, that's my suggestion. Guys, thank you. Special thanks to Andrew. So this is where we need everybody's help, listeners. Yeah. If you've made it to this point, as he said, God let us you. know something. So do we say... Do we have him drop like look at Houston's crept back toward average offensive line protecting Deshaun Watson here? Right. Like we it'd need, be something PFF NFL podcast yeah. specific. We need like podcast specific sort of in joke specifically. Creep back toward average is a good one. What well, else do we have that we could have Andrew drop? Uh, you'd have red zone. Watch this Flacco overthrow making like Steve Palazzolo's minor league baseball career or something. You know something like that. No, no, it's too a little, specific. That's a bit too. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Give him a good rugby. Oh, end of game. <laughs> if we have an end of game rugby <laughs> yeah. play. Yeah. We need like we need like a name of these plays or like you know we were saying just let's just make some let's make some stuff up. I like I kind of like to make them up. Pulling things. guard pancake percentage yeah. is pretty sweet. That's not a bad one. The Wyatt dedicated to Wyatt Teller. Hmm. So let us know over the next couple of days. We will text Andrew. We'll have a little group chat going, and we're going to get a few Easter eggs on the Directv yep. NFL Red Zone channel. Mm -hmm. Sound good? And let's listen in. Let's play us out with your montage montage we're headed into week five thank you guys for tuning in we'll be back monday morning reviewing all the action play us out sam see you guys monday it's young brent rippon who gets the chance to show what he can do throws and picked that is to see rippon throws and he's picked again Coming, Cousins, oh, Jefferson, he's got it inside the 40, Justin Jefferson. Give that man a chance. Vikings will go on to Seattle with their first victory of the year. Texans will fall to 0-4. Houston Texans head coach and de facto general manager Bill O'Brien has been fired by the Houston Texans after an 0-4 start to this season. This is why they drafted IU. Watch this. That's spectacular. Looks like Steve Nehemiah going into the end zone. Holy cow. Time for Rodgers to float one. Easy catch and touchdown. This is how bad it's gotten for the Atlanta Falcons. They're just trying to tackle guys and they still can't keep them out of the end zone. And this game is over. Kansas City has it. Has that history mark of the first team to start 4-0. Four consecutive seasons. 13 straight wins.